The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the tower at Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Buildings are bombed and civilians are shelled in Ukraine. A pastor and his eldest child die in a car crash on the first day of his sabbatical. Yet another business and livelihood are destroyed in a fire that is linked to a string of arson attacks. A church is almost leveled by a tornado in the south. A reported 900,000 plus people have died from the pandemic that we seem to be emerging from. Tragedy, trauma, strife. What does it mean and how does it affect your spiritual life? Even here in this church, this congregation, we have had our fair share of tragedy and trauma and strife. Family members have betrayed you. Children have disobeyed you. Sickness and disease have shattered dreams and future hopes. Death, whether unexpected or not, leaves holes in hearts and empty chairs at the dinner table. When we are confronted with this tragedy, trauma, and strife, 
we begin, as human beings do, to play the blame game. We begin to make excuses for why all these things are happening, just as our first parents did in the Garden of Eden. The tendency for us to make us feel comfortable is to find fault with those who have been affected by the tragedy or the trauma. The church in the south that was almost leveled by a tornado was almost leveled because it was preaching false doctrine, for instance. Or maybe those 900,000 people who have died from COVID weren't Christians or maybe weren't strong enough Christians. Your child has disobeyed you because you aren't a good parent. The list of excuses and the blame game can go on and on. And it can have really devastating effects. The problem with this approach to the events in a fallen world by trying to root out who is really at fault for the tragedy, trauma, and strife, is that it distracts us. No, it debilitates us from doing what we're supposed to do when confronted by these events. Rather than blaming and accusing others, we could and should be using these things as flags for personal repentance. Oh Lord, I am just as much a sinful man as the one affected by that tragedy. If you haven't noticed, your personal spiritual walk is never nourished by blaming other people for the tragedy that has struck them. Instead, you should see these tragedies of others as a personal call to urgent repentance. This is the point of Jesus' teaching in today's Gospel text. Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the tower at Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Stop playing the blame game, Jesus is saying, and start repenting. Jesus says these things to you to scare the hell out of you, literally, to get it out of you. 
Jesus knows that if you refuse to repent, you are like that unfruitful fig tree that should be cut down and destroyed. Jesus knows that if you let your arrogant, procrastinating hearts have their way with you, that it will lead you to renouncing the very faith that He freely gifted you. It's a slow rejection. But it'll happen. Jesus doesn't want you to continue to wallow around in the dirt of your sin because He knows that will only mean your destruction and death. The first call of the Holy Spirit is not a call to play the blame game with others' tragedies and traumas. The first call of the Holy Spirit is not to condemn others for their misdeeds and the strife they face. No, the first call of the Holy Spirit is to use the tragedies and traumas and strife we see outside of ourselves as a a means to call us to repentance for our inner selves. The tragedy of another should bring us to repentance. The trauma of another should bring us to our knees. The strife and misfortune of another should drive us to the wounded feet of Jesus, the merciful Lord. Now, I will admit... Repenting is a really hard thing to do. It requires us to divorce ourselves from those things that give us that sinful earthly pleasure. It beckons us to kill that old Adam in us. It demands we stop making excuses for our forsaking of this assembly. It calls us to confess those things that have controlled our lives for so long. I think many of us haven't repented, truly repented of those things that have their hold on us. Because we're afraid of the shame it might bring. If God only knew, if my pastor only knew. My friends, your Heavenly Father is not scandalized by anything. And I think I can speak for the spiritual fathers that you have that we are not scandalized by sin because we are sinners too. The 
truth is there is no shame after repentance. Jesus isn't calling us to repentance today so that he can shame us and and snicker at us and point fingers and laugh. No, after repentance is only goodness. It's only mercy. It's only gospel. Jesus' greatest hope for you is that you would repent. That you would turn from all those things that distract you from Him and run to His loving arms. He is the gardener in today's text that pleads for more time to get us decaying fig trees turned around to get us repented. He cultivates the ground around us in the season of Lent by giving us themes like almsgiving and fasting and praying as means to bring us back home to Him. He fertilizes us by washing us of the dirt of our sin back in that little washroom called the confessional and by feeding us the eternal nutrients of His body and blood on this altar. My friends, I plead with you. It's time to stop letting our arrogant, procrastinating hearts have their way with us. It's time. It's time to repent. It's time to come to confession. It may seem scary at first, but it's not. And for those of you who have been away from this place for a while, it's time to return to the place where Jesus' body and blood are offered for your forgiveness. It's all for your eternal good. It's the pathway home to our Father. It is our homecoming. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.